Terrible Toby's is Kitchener's independent, community-driven pet supply store. Conveniently located just outside of downtown Kitchener, Terrible Toby's has created a new way to shop for your pet, combining fun, educational moments with an easy and convenient experience. Join Terrible Toby's for their weekly neighborhood walks, monthly nail trimming clinics, or their next pet portrait day. Learn more in-store or follow Terrible Toby's on Facebook and Instagram for all their updates. today's episode we are going to talk about what to do when your dog gets lost or goes missing so let's jump right in i woke up restless watching the time slip away Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are going to talk about what to do when your pet goes missing. So, Justine, my pet has gone missing. Or been stolen. Imagine, can you imagine someone stole? I mean, that's a thing that actually does happen, which blows my mind. I don't think anyone would want to steal Marshall. Well, Willow would probably yeah. gladly go with anybody, so <laughs> oh, Willow. I could see her, I could see her definitely being stolen because they're just, you know, they're, they're unique dogs. Um, but yeah, what the, what the hell do I do? My, my dog is, is gone. Wow. So let's, um, there's, so this was, think about, yeah, this was a really interesting episode for us to plan because there's a lot of like best practice and recommendations that come from kind of people's experiences and, and what has happened and what has been successful when trying to locate a lost pet. And I think this information is really a lot of the information we're going to talk about today is so helpful because obviously if your pet runs away or goes missing, you're going to be peak stressed. Um, you are not going to be in a good headspace. You're probably not going to have the best problem solving skills or critical thinking skills in that exact moment. So having a general sense of what you're supposed to do is, you know, helpful to kind of have in the back of your brain. Um, so the first thing I'll plug is that the Ontario SPCA on their website, they have a lost pet recovery 101 kind of document that you can, you know, pin on your phone or your computer. Super, super helpful. A lot of what we're going to talk about today actually came from this document. So great thing to kind of um, take a look at in your own life, in your own time. But let's talk about some tips, general tips. So I don't know, I feel like the first one that we're going to talk about kind of goes without saying, but obviously you're going to search your property or your neighbor's properties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe within like a five house radius, expand outwards as you need to. But remember that pets can move quickly, right? Um, Walk the neighborhood, talk to people, leave your phone number with people, leave the description of your pet, um, you know, make noise while you walk, call your dog, you know, squeak their favorite toy, shake treats. We've all done this, done the treat shake. I've definitely done this before. Um, And of course, 
bring a leash or a carrier to secure your pet. Because if you in panic, go out and try to find your pet, but they're actually not on a leash, you might have a pretty difficult time rallying them up. Yeah. And one thing to note about that as well, if you are going, you know, door to door, letting your neighbors um, know that your dog has gone missing, information like, you know, do not chase is really, really important because, um, as an example, uh, like when, um, certain dogs are spooked and they're scared. And if uh, you see it, see the dog and you get excited, Oh my gosh, I found that I found it. A lot of people want the urge to like run at the dog to, to grab it. And that is terrifying for a lot of dogs who are already under a lot of stress, who are lost. So, um, some, um, instructions around like, Oh, please don't chase, like just call me or, you know, please keep tabs on uh, site on dog as long as possible and give me a call or my, you know, counterpart a call, whoever, um, just so that you don't, um, potentially scare a dog even more so. And especially into like oncoming traffic or something like that. Well, and that's what I was just thinking was, especially in an urban center. So when you've mm-hmm. got a dog, that's maybe a little bit panicked and, they're, you know, frantically running around. They're maybe, you know, get a lot of off-leash time. They're excited. They're confused. And now they have a strange person chasing after them. Yeah, not a great scene. So other than, you know, doing kind of that immediate first search, some other things that they do recommend are maybe placing strong scented articles outside of your home. Um, for someone like myself who lives in a condo building, while well, I can't say both live in condo buildings, this would be difficult to less, less, um, easy to kind of execute. But if you do have, you know, a house or a backyard, putting out like their bedding or something to lure them Mm -hmm. home via the scent, um, what else would we want to kind of think of, uh, when the initial kind of incident happens? Well, it depends on timing as well. Like say you've been searching and then overnight comes and you need to get some rest. Um, something like placing food out is tempting. Um, in an urban area, you might bring in, you know, raccoons or, or other animals instead, but it is helpful to have, you know, some sort of food. And that as a human gives you comfort, I'm sure, like going to bed at night, knowing that, you know, if your dog does come back, it would have something to eat. Um, Mm And yeah, like a bed as well, like some placing a, a crate, an open crate or a bed, um, just in case, you know, they do come by while you're sleeping. Um, a lot of people have these days, um, if you are in a home, like a ring doorbell um, or like a camera set out, um, set up outside. So yeah, keeping tabs on, you know, any movement and cameras is, um, is really helpful as well. Uh But lastly, even just like changing your voicemail message to include a description of your missing dog or pet and how to reach someone during day or night in order to, you know, get, get your pet home safe. Um, dogs and cats, they, they move quick, especially again, when they're scared. So having that, um, on your voicemail, if you're, you know, caught up in doing something else, you know, then people have that information there for you. And you don't realize how many places there are where a dog could be out of sight while they're kind of on the move until you Mm -hmm. are looking for a missing dog. 
Um, Kenzie will remember a couple of months ago when we had a, a community member, um, their dog went missing for multiple days. So there was a, a very large collective of folks out looking for this dog. And at one point the dog was spot along, um, fairway road. So because I live in that area, it's like, I'll just do like a drive up and down fairway, see what I can find. And as soon as you're driving down there, you're like, there's so many plazas and buildings and dumpsters and trucks. And there's just so many places they could hide behind or under that. It honestly feels like you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Um, so yeah, having that voicemail message so that if anybody calls you, especially if you put posters up, they kind of know what the next step would be. Um, that can obviously be really helpful. But then I think this goes without saying, definitely visit, you know, if you have a local Ontario SBCA branch, your Humane Society, whoever does your animal control locally, um, notify them. Because obviously, um, if somebody finds your pet, those are the people that they are going to bring them to. Um, So locally, if you're in Kitchener-Waterloo, that would be either the kitchener Waterloo, Stratford, Perth uh, Humane Society or the Cambridge Humane Society. Um, The other thing you can do is call emergency clinics um, or veterinarian offices within a certain radius because, again, that might be like a trusted place that some folks might go or if your dog were to be injured while they're on the move – then obviously they're going, if someone were to find them, they're going to end up in a, in a vet setting. So that can be another kind of helpful tip as well. Um, Yeah. And if you do have the chance, um, so like as an example, the emergency clinic, if your dog hasn't gone or cat hasn't gone to the emergency clinic, even, um, you know, sending them an email with a photo attached so that they have an idea on what they're looking for. If your animal does end up there, um, that's something, um, helpful that they can quickly recognize that, Hey, like this is a missing pet. Um, we know the owner, they sent us a photo. We, they would contact you if that animal happens to uh, end up in in an emergency situation yeah definitely and I mean if you are able to get posters printed that can be a great opportunity so putting signs you know at major intersections or even at vet offices stores um, there is a website lostapet.org that has a section on recovery posters um, which kind of give you some tips for how to have like a really successful eye grabbing poster that people are going to pay attention to. But this is also something I learned when we had a community member who lost their dog. People will try to scam you. So if you offer a reward, sometimes people will call and they'll say, Hey, I found your dog because they're trying to get the reward. And, um, I've heard stories of people who have gotten phone calls after their dog has already been found. And the person saying, oh, I have your dog here. Is nuts. Why? That is horrible. That is horrible. Um, So, yeah, beware. Do not send anybody money unless they have provided you with your animal in fiscal form. Um, No. Yeah, no, that's really sad. Um, But just the last thing, and I think a lot of us, um, you know, tend to to think of this maybe first is to just reach out to your social media network, Um, you know, whether that's an Instagram or uh, Facebook or a local dog group, like here we have dog owners of KW as an example. 
Um, just to like put a post out for people. We have so many amazing community people here that would go out of their way to even go look with you. So, uh, post, um, post on your network, get the word out, get photos posted. Um, you know, contact information, et cetera, as quick as possible um, after talking maybe to your neighbors and, and just get, get the word out there that your pet has uh, gone missing. Yeah. And another organization, again, if you're local to Kitchener-Waterloo, that will help with the social media piece in terms of just like posting and getting it kind of sharing in the community is um, Ground Search and Rescue. So that's kind of our local search and rescue organization. So they have a large network of volunteers who are willing to go out and support a search, get on foot. They've done this many times um, and their kind of whole goal is to help parents um, locate missing pets. If you're in another area, there probably is another equivalent, um, but here in Kitchener-Waterloo, it is ground search and rescue. So definitely contact them right away. um, And they are uh, an enormous support for this type of thing. Yes, they are. Well, that was a lot. (laughs) Um, We are going to take a quick little break and we will be right back to discuss more ways to prevent losing your pet so that none of this ever happens. Um, So yeah, we'll talk about some tips and uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast, and today we are talking about what to do if your pet goes missing. In the first half of today's episode, we talked about what actually to do if your dog were to run away, escape the backyard, those terrible instances we hope will never happen to us. Um, But we wanted to spend the second half of today's episode talking about some ways that you can prevent this from ever happening um, because obviously we want to avoid our pets ever going missing and there's lots of really great ways that you can effectively um, avoid this from happening to you. So Ken's kick us off. What's the first thing you can do to minimize the impact of something like this? Um, well, There's a few things, but the first thing we can talk about is something that usually happens in puppyhood or when you, um, um, you know, get a dog from a rescue. Uh, It's microchipping. So some benefits of microchipping your pet is that you can locate them faster. So i.e. your dog or cat does end up in a vet's office or in a um, humane society and they have the ability to scan for a microchip that has your information on it that way you are contacted right away. They know for certain this is your animal and um, your dog is then or cat is then found. Um, Microchipping is relatively quick and inexpensive, which is really nice. Um, A lot of humane societies um, around the area, I know our local KW, uh, Stratford Perth Humane Society does do different microchipping clinics. Um, Usually it's about 25 to 75 bucks for a microchip. Yep. Um, And um, most 
Canadian Kennel Club or American Kennel Club ethical breeders already have microchips in their puppies. So like as an example, when I picked up Willa, I picked her up and she was already pre-microchipped. So that's something that they usually will like tie into the puppy when you pick them up. Um, But it is um, super, again, simple, quick, and just in case it's there and it's there for life. It's, it's just a little rice sized microchip right under the skin and they've got it. Vets know where to find it. There you go. So one misconception so that people aren't confused. Microchips do not GPS track your dog. I have seen very shaming comments on social media to people whose pets have gone missing to say things like, well, why don't you microchip your pet? Then you would just be able to track them and you'd know exactly where they were. And then uh-huh. people are commenting back being like, that's not how a microchip works, but thank you for your feedback. So no, a microchip is not a GPS, um, but it does allow your dog to be identified and they have your phone number. It's going to be tied to your information. Um, you can also actually register the microchip with 24 pet watch. I think most vets will recommend you do that. And then, um, they're actually able to like get your contract information, um, and connect you back with your dog. Um, the other thing you can do that I think just we should all do to be responsible pet owners is just register your pet with the humane society. Um, so that if your dog shows up and they microchip them, they know who they belong to. Um, They know that they're registered, they're a registered dog in the city of Kitchener, and they know that you are the owner. That's not going to be something that's like disputable. Um, It is very evident that you are the registered owner, um, which obviously goes a long way. Yeah. And again, microchipping is like a, um, if your dog ends up in a place that has the ability to microchip thing, I want to kind of take a step back and talk about training, Because I think that all I I remember when Willa and Aladar were puppies. um, Again, sighthounds are known to bolt and bolt and bolt and and spook. And so I had it in my head like, oh my gosh, if these dogs are ever off leash, they're going to run away and I'm never going to see them again. Right. So training was something that was really embedded in me for recall, um, especially. you know, just, I would enjoy taking, you know, the dogs off leash from time to time, or I wanted to have the ability to do that. So the recall was really important to me. Um, but fast forward seven years and I'm still working through training recall. Like it's a, it's a, a training skill that is never forgotten in our home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the, I mean, the concept of recall is something that is just so interchangeably usable in so many situations. And obviously the more you practice it, the more um, reliable it's going to be with your dog. And especially depending on the level of stimulation they're experiencing, you know, whether or not they're going to listen to your come command is going to be very different in the house rather than, you know, outside when they're weaving through traffic. So, but any, you know, amount of recall training is going to be a benefit and it really, it can be life-saving in the event that you need to call your dog off something. Yeah, for sure. Like I've, I'm sure at some point we've all experienced dogs where the owners are calling their name over and over again and the dog is just 
totally not listening, you know, whether the dog's bolting at you and your dog or, or like running towards a squirrel or, you know, doing dog things and you need your dog. If your dog is going to be off leash, your dog needs to have 100% recall in my opinion. Um, and I might sound like a, a grumpy dog owner saying that, but I do think it's for safety for the life's like saving ability of that command it's it's that's what it is and i think i think it's important to note that you don't your dog doesn't need to go off leash to live a fulfilled life and there's a lot there's of people that, that might mm-hmm. disagree with that but marshall rarely goes off leash and he's a very happy fulfilled dog um if we do want to give him a bit more freedom we do a long line he just doesn't have the he hasn't earned the right to go off leash um and he's not ready for it so we use a long line when we want to do more with him and that's rarely a barrier to anything and there you go so if your dog is not off leash ready do not take your dog off leash it's it's there you go you save you yourself and your dog that what if right so um One other thing, uh, just quickly to mention, is more along the lines of tools. So using a proper collar, um, so i.e. like a martingale or double harness collar setup if you're worried. Um, I know that... um, Kirsty in our team, um, she fosters dogs yeah. and they always have double collar harness set up um, yeah. just for that what if scenario. <clears throat> And a lot of rescues too, like when we adopted Marshall, like they, they wouldn't let us pick him up, but we had to come with a martingale and they recommended double leashing, um, for the first couple of weeks, just because they tend to be a bit of a flight risk. I was thinking about when we were talking about microchipping, I was thinking about air tags and wondering if that would work to GPS a dog. And I think it would. There are certain ones for dog collars that you can buy that do have GPS trackers. There are also the more extreme GPS trackers for dogs. So hunting dogs use them as an example. Um, and they come with like a large GPS, like um, it looks like a walkie talkie, but it has like a screen on it. Like it's huge. And so these are like um, professional trackers. Uh, I have um people that I've been following on Instagram over in Europe who live on like acres and acres and acres of land, they have pointers. So they GPS, they put on this GPS, like it's like, it has a little antenna on it and it goes right on their collar and they let their dogs run through their like 50 acres, but they know that their dogs where they are because they have this like legit GPS setup tracker for their dogs. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so that's so. that's another option if you're very worried. You can GPS your dog. Um, okay, what about, well, tags. We can't forget about tags, so making sure Oh yes, they've got their collar tags on with current phone number. Um, I mean, it just makes it easier if somebody does get a hold of your dog and they can see your no- number. They don't have to take them to the Humane Society. They can just call you. <laughs> 
quick story. I have found two dogs um, in my time here in Kitchener-Waterloo just roaming the streets. And one was right on King Street, like busy, busy street. And it was a little pug and I pulled over and I grabbed it because it was wandering all over the busy road. And I looked at the tag, of course, first thing you do, look at the tag, call the number. The number was out of service. So at this point, I'm like, well, now I have this dog. It's a good thing I'm a crazy dog person and have like three leashes in my car. So I leashed it and then I started wandering around the street being like, did anybody lose a dog? I I started driving around the area. Anyway, long story short, I finally found the family because a little boy was running around and I'm like, did you lose a dog? And he's like, yes. So, but, um, I told them as soon as I dropped the dog off, um, I said, you guys really got to update that. Like I tried phoning and it's out of service. Oh yeah. It's an old tag. Wow. So small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, just, a just a tip that happened twice. And the other ex- experience I had too. So update your phone number, please. Um, <laughs> definitely. And I mean, if you're ever at one of our events, we often have um, live stamping on site. So at the holiday festival at the end of this or not the end of this month, December 2nd, we'll have live stamping on site. So if you need a new tag, there's your moment. They do it right in front of your eyes. They have it ready for you in like 15 minutes. It's magic. Yeah. And just a few more quick little points. Um, Make sure your backyard is not escapable if you do have a backyard. Um, This is really key. Uh, I had Hudson, when Hudson was uh, around, he escaped my backyard quite a few times that I couldn't figure out for the longest time why um, until I caught the little guy in the act. So if you have a dog who likes to be an escapee, um, you know, try to uh, try to cover that up in your backyard. Um, spay and neuter your pets. Uh, this will definitely give your animal less likely, um, less of a reason rather to wander. Um, and or just supervise your dog. You know, if you are worried, just keep an eye on your dog. And lastly, um, be aware of your dog's triggers. So, like, i.e., fireworks. Um, Every year, a couple times a year, you know, on Canada Day and whenever else, or May 2-4 weekend, whenever else fireworks go off, you always hear of dogs going missing because they are afraid. So if your dog is that kind of dog, maybe not the best idea to have them, you know, out on the front porch with you, not leashed, watching the fireworks. Um, It's just be aware of your dog, you know. And just, yeah, maybe just keep them inside and keep them safe and comfy. You know who does some really great education around this? So if your dog is scared of fireworks, I definitely recommend heading to Save Our Scruffs Instagram because they often do really great posts and reminders on even on like Diwali and different holidays um, that there might be fireworks, they'll post and be like, Hey, probably going to be fireworks today. If your dog, you know, is fearful of fireworks, here's some tips. And usually they're like, go for your walk earlier in the day. Don't do your walk at night. Keep your pet inside. Um, you know, distract them with X, Y, Z. So they've got lots of great tips. So if your dog is scared of 
thunderstorms or fireworks or any of those things, definitely check them out. Uh, there, it was it was thundering today. It's um, it early was. November, and it was thundering today. And Aladar got so scared, and I forgot that she was afraid of thunder because we haven't had a storm in a few quite a few months, right? So yeah, she got really spooked. It was really sad. Anyway, it was a very weird. <laughs> November storm today. Very it was. All right. It was. We digress. Well, there we go. Lots of amazing ways to prevent your dog from ever going missing. And hopefully you also feel a little bit more equipped should that ever happen. Um, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to wrap up. Well, there you have it. What to do if your dog goes missing and ways to prevent this from hopefully ever happening to you. I really hope that all of our listeners never go through losing a pet. That is, it's really scary. I've, I haven't lost Will and Aladar, but I lost a ferret once when I had ferrets and that was the most terrifying, you know, eight hours of my life. So, um, Hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but before we wrap up, Justine, let's share one big takeaway we each have from today's episode. Mine is definitely uh, to put some more time and focus and attention back into recall training. I think it's really easy for me to kind of put a shit to the back of my mind because I don't know that Marshall will ever be an off-leash dog or if that's ever something he will do but I think this was like a good reminder that recall training is a really great thing to do regardless and probably it's just generally good for your relationship with your dog and is a really good thing to kind of reinforce so yeah something we're gonna work on that's my big takeaway what about you there you go. Mine is to, because my girls have so many callers, <laughs> I um, I need to go through and make sure that they are all updated, like all of the tags on each one are updated with my new updated phone number um, and probably add my partner's phone number to them as well. It's always good to have two, right? So definitely add a backup second. Yeah. So, so I'll add, um, I'll add the other, but uh, just to make sure that they are all up to date, because again, we tend to cycle through like five or six different types of colors per dog. (laughs) So (laughs) just to make Uh, sure that they are all up to date. Amazing. Well, look at that. We've got some homework to do. We'll have to report back and hold each other accountable because otherwise it'll be six months from now and I won't have done any recall training. So um, yeah, come at me in like two months about it. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Dog Friendly KW podcast with your host, Justina McKenzie. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. Uh...